everybody. Welcome to Teal Time. My name is Jamie Frankenberry. I'm the sports editor at the Virginian Pilot and Daily Press. And of course, I'm joined, as always, by the uh, podcast namesake. That's columnist David Teal. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. Good morning. How are you? Doing fine. Yeah, you're, uh, you got another busy week, and we'll get to a lot of stuff today. We're going to talk yeah. about Virginia, Virginia Tech, and ACC football. We'll dabble in a little bit of basketball. There's a big game over, really interesting game in Charlottesville that you're going to go to tonight. Yeah. Uh, and then we'll talk a little bit about Virginia Tech's all-time winningest basketball coach. Yeah, uh, the late Charlie Moore on. passed away last week. That's, yes, sir. So let's start, though, with uh, – Virginia Tech and Georgia Tech, you were down in Atlanta for what was really a convincing victory (laughs) and a great way for the Hokies to clinch a 27th consecutive bowl appearance. Yeah, you talk about emphatic now. Jamie, Georgia Tech hadn't been shut out at home since 1957. That's before I was born, so you know that was a long time ago. And it was such a jarring contrast Because for more than a decade, Virginia Tech just hoped against hope that it could limit Georgia Tech to, I don't know, 200 or 250 rushing yards because of Paul Johnson's option offense. And to, you know, now that they're transitioning under Jeff Collins to a more pro style attack and and the Jackets are clearly struggling, although just a week earlier had taken Virginia deep into the fourth quarter in Charlottesville. But Georgia Tech was helpless against Virginia Tech's defense. And, excuse me, opened the game with four consecutive three and outs, had one first down in the first half. And you go back to the last six possessions of the Wake Forest game, Virginia Tech has now gone 19 consecutive opponents' possessions without giving up a point. That's insane. I mean, that's pretty good. And that's just... That's hard the, to do. Yeah, and that's just the defensive side. Well, when you think about it, it was, that includes games against Wake Forest. I mean, some, yeah. some pretty good offenses over right. these last few weeks. Yep, absolutely. And then you flip it around to the offense... And Hendon Hooker continues to play clean football. He's thrown 97 passes without a pick. Now that pales to a streak we'll mention earlier when we get to the Virginia Liberty game coming up this week. But no turnovers for the Hokies. Did not commit a penalty until late, late in the third quarter in that very common call, roughing the snapper. <laughs> that is unusual, <laughs> which, yeah. Which, yeah, yeah, when we heard that from the referee's mic, we're like, okay. It was on a punt, so I <laughs> Wasn't guess. Wasn't sure that was possible. Yeah, I, I guess that's what happened. But Virginia Tech has now outrushed its last two opponents, Wake Forest and Georgia Tech, by a combined 466 to 116. Mm. And they're getting contributions from everywhere. It's not just from the tailback spot, from Deshaun McLeese and Keyshawn King, although they're they're doing very well and averaging better than five yards a pop. But Trey Turner busted yet another jet sweep for a big gain. And then playing off that, they hand a turn on a jet sweep, but oh no, here comes Tavion Robinson, the freshman from the beach, mm-hmm on a reverse, and he scoots 50-some yards. I think it was to set up their second touchdown of of the day, which would have been 
in the first quarter. So, you know, they're getting those. And Hendon Hooker, of course, has a little wiggle to him. He's been effective in the run game. They're they're doing it in all facets. James Mitchell, the redshirt freshman tight end who we heard so much about during preseason and spring ball, he's really emerged these last two weeks as both a pass catcher and a blocker. So you talk about peaking at the right time now. They are absolutely doing so. Yeah, and you wrote, I think it was uh, in your column or in a tweet, you said that Virginia Tech was playing better than anybody in the ACC not named Clemson. Yeah. And they are, you know, they they rushed for 238 yards this past weekend. Um, that's five straight, uh, four, four games uh, in the last five that they've gained 220 or more. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, Tavion Robinson was a playmaker at Cox High School. He played quarterback, running. I mean, he did everything at Cox High School, and he's showing that, you know, versatility uh, as a wide receiver at Virginia Tech. Well, they tried to channel that quarterback in him with a too-cute-by-half play down near the goal line, and he – he was under pressure, and he just threw this. And I didn't realize he's left-handed, mm-hmm. and he he throws this duck, for lack of a better <laughs> right. description. And Hendon Hooker was the intended, and Hooker basically morphed into a defensive back because if he doesn't knock the ball down, the DB from Georgia Tech picks it off. Yeah, I think Tavion's finding that the ACC defenses are <laughs> a little better than the ones he saw in the Beach District. No offense to those Beach District teams, but yeah, it's a little bit different playing quarterback uh, in the ACC. Yeah, I mean, Virginia Tech is really playing as well as they have all season. They're hitting on all cylinders, like you said. The defense, they got their first shutout since 2017, which is big. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're really picking up steam at the right time, I think. They are. That is the... 35th shutout that Virginia Tech has had in Bud Foster's 33 years on staff. It is their 33rd shutout in his 25 years as defensive coordinator. All remarkable numbers. And, you know, they got two more picks. Dax Holifield, the linebacker, he's had a pick in three consecutive games. Mm -hmm. Caleb Farley had his fourth interception of the season, took it to the house, a little 17-yard Return, I think that was their fourth touchdown. Maybe that made it twenty-eight, nothing. But they're they're they're, they're pressuring the, the the quarterback, just doing everything. And 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 Bud was very frank after the game. He said their aim was to put the game in Georgia Tech's quarterback's hands, stop the run and dare him to beat you with his arm, which he clearly wasn't ready to do. They did exactly that. And then he just – he doesn't have the receivers to get separation, and he doesn't have the big leg arm yet to to thread the needle. Yeah, you mentioned uh, Hendon Hooker briefly. You've seen him in a couple of games now, and he's clearly – uh, the choice at quarterback after he he's and the important thing as you mentioned he's taking care of the football yeah. and you're gonna if you play good defense and have a quarterback who can take care of the football that's gonna take you a long way yeah he's five and zero as a starter you you can't argue about that he's he's won on the road he's won under difficult circumstances you know Miami tied that game late and he took Virginia Tech right down the field for the game winning touchdown. So props to him. And it was interesting, <clears throat> yesterday at his weekly presser, Justin Fuente was asked, do you 
ever second guess yourself as to why you didn't choose Hooker as the starter from the beginning, why you why you went with Ryan Willis, and he just kind of kicked that question aside and said, I don't have time for revisionist history right now or to go back and second guess myself. I got to look ahead to the remainder of the season. That's a point very well taken. But I wonder after the season upon reflection if he'll wonder what might have been. And, you know, Jamie, you go back to that season opener up at B.C. that Willis started. I think Virginia Virginia Tech, excuse me, threw it 47 times mm. in that game. Now, it was a function of the game. They were, they were playing from behind quite a bit. But in the last six games, when the Hokies are 5-1, and one, they are running the football on exactly two-thirds of their plays. Mm. 66.7% of their snaps are rushes. I mean, that's that's a really interesting ratio. That, that to really me. is, and and that tells me that they're getting enough yardage on those runs uh, that they can keep doing that. Yeah, and it, and it's a credit to the the development of the offensive line, a very young group that includes two true freshmen and a redshirt freshman, and I'm not sure the Christian Darisaw, who's the veteran of the group out there tackling, he might be the, the best of the bunch. But the young guys, Tanuta, Nestor, they're they're doing quite well also. Yeah, the, and that offense earlier in the season really struggled to make big plays. And now with Hooker and they've opened the running game up, they had, I think Norm Wood wrote this, that they had five plays of 30-plus yards against uh, Georgia Tech. That was in the first half. In the first half, they had six altogether. Six altogether, and they had only had 17 the entire season mm-hmm. before Georgia Tech. So, yes, getting those chunk plays is, an, is another big-time, you know, just emergence for the Hokies. Here we are in, in mid-November. It couldn't be better timed. Yeah, and we'll, uh, we'll get to their opponent this week, Pitt. They're going to have a really good challenge against that Pitt defense. We'll get to that in a few minutes. Uh, elsewhere in the ACC, last week, you know, Virginia enjoyed a bye week. I think they were happy to uh, heal up a little bit. Uh, and elsewhere in the ACC, uh, you had Florida State rolling over Alabama. Uh, Odell Haggins all Al- of a sudden. Al- Alabama State. Or, I'm sorry, Alabama State. <laughs> You're right. Let's be clear different, about that. Different opponent. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was uh, Florida State 49, Alabama State 12. Odell Haggins is 4-0 and and has the Seminoles uh, bowl eligible, uh, which didn't seem possible <laughs> about a month or so ago. Yeah, they're, 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 they've got their six wins. And they will likely lose their regular season finale against Florida to finish at six and six, but but good for them. Yeah, you know, they 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 had a rough patch there, and uh, just to get to bowl eligibility, you wouldn't think that's a big deal in Tallahassee, but for this particular team, it is. Yeah, uh, Clemson rolls over Wake Forest in a game about a month ago. We thought maybe that's going to be competitive. But uh, Sage Sherratt uh, is out at yeah. wide receiver so for the rest Scotty of the season. So Scotty Washington. I mean, they're... Uh, yeah, they're really banged up. And Jamie Newman had 41 passing yards, which is just unthinkable for that Wake Forest offense. Well, and every week you just you think Clemson can't come up with another ridiculous stat. And last Tuesday when we recorded this podcast, we were praising Virginia Tech, and rightfully so, by the way, 
for limiting Wake Forest to 301 total yards. Right. Clemson limited the Deacons to 105, dude. Right. Outgained them 516 to 105. Insane. I mean, they... <laughs> Yeah, Trevor Lawrence has uh he threw four T D passes. Yeah. Uh Clemson has won five division titles, which is no surprise. I mean, yeah. they rolled fifty two to three uh over Wake Forest. Another blowout, and boy has Duke really fallen off the map. I mean, Syracuse, who has really struggled all season, they win forty nine to six over the Blue Devils. And that Blue Devils offense just is really anemic. And it's shocking when you consider what they did against Virginia Tech a couple of months ago. Yeah, since that game, Virginia Tech is five and one, and Duke is one and five. Mm. Can somebody explain that? Uh, I I certainly can't. Yeah, yeah. They they the Blue Devils are last in the ACC in yards per play, and they haven't scored more than twenty points uh, in four straight games. So they really struggled. Uh, Louisville beat NC State 34-24, more trouble in Raleigh. And bowl eligibility for the Cardinals. Yep. First year under Scott Satterfield, Malik Cunningham threw four touchdown passes. Yeah, they can score some points. Good, good for – oh, yeah, they're, they've got – as Virginia will attest, the Cardinals got some speed, especially right. on that offensive side. So good for them. I mean, Scott Satterfield's going to get votes and may even win ACC mm -hmm. Coach of the Year. Yeah, yeah, he deserves a look for sure. And then uh, the Thursday night game, we go back in time a little bit. North Carolina and Pitt, which is a really interesting game. And the Panthers come out on top. And, um, you know, they're 7-3 and three overall, 4-2 and two in the ACC. And they've played really well in the last month of the season. They have typical North Carolina game. It's a, it's a one-score game. They stay in it. As – Every game the Tar Heels have played this season except one has been that way. Overtime, I thought North Carolina really missed an opportunity at the end of regulation where they could have put it away and, and won. It got a little conservative for my taste. But Sam Howell, I mean, he's going to be unanimous, I would think, ACC Rookie of the Year. Yeah, for he's sure. going to be a load the next two seasons at least for North Carolina. And then Daz Newsom from here at Hampton High School with a career night in a losing effort. Yeah, he was a ACC Offensive Player of the Week this week. Yeah, 11 catches for a buck 70, I believe it mm -hmm. was, and one touchdown. Just a heck of a night for Daz Newsom. But Kenny Pickett, the Pitt quarterback, had a career night as well. Threw for more than 300. I think it was more than 340. 359. Okay, 359. There you go. And also rushed for more than 50, mm -hmm. accounted for three touchdowns. Uh, he's a guy that the Hokies are going to have to deal with on Saturday. Yeah, well, let's talk about that game. It's Pitt at Virginia Tech. They're over in Blacksburg. Uh, both teams are 7-3, and 4-2 and two in the ACC, and both of them still with a shot at winning the Coastal uh, Division, uh, of course, with Virginia controlling uh, its own destiny. Now, Virginia beat Pitt early in the season. That seems like a lifetime ago. Um, and the Panthers have played pretty well against Virginia Tech. They're, they've won seven of the last ten games. They beat them by 30 last season at Heinz Field, and this defense is the real deal at Pitt. Yeah, th that game you reference at Pitt last season, the Hokies had some real clunkers. That was the clunkiest. Mm. Most yards rushing ever against a Bud Foster team was north of 450. It might have even approached 500. But 
No, it was 490. Yeah, it did approach 500. 492. I'm sitting here looking at my notes. For that game, 47 plays, 654 yards, a staggering 13.9 yards per play. That's crazy. For the Panthers in that game last year. And it was interesting, after the Georgia Tech victory the other day, Caleb Farley, the defensive back, said, you know, after last season, what Georgia Tech did to us, which was a, was a beat down in and of itself, he said, we kind of wanted a little piece of them. Well, if they want a little piece of Georgia Tech, I'm guessing they want an even bigger piece Absolutely. of Pitt because of last season. And you mentioned the Panthers' defense being the real deal. Could not agree more. Lead the nation in sacks with 45. And I didn't realize this until I was <clears throat> reading the transcript of Pat Narduzzi's presser yesterday, the Pitt coach. And one of the Pittsburgh media in prefacing a question throughout this stat, 21 of those 45 sacks are on third down. Mm. Big plays. Yeah, big plays in big situations. And, oh, by the way, they have one, two, three. They have six dudes with at least three and a half sacks. Right. Yeah, the the, the star of that line is tackle Jalen Twyman. He yes. has nine, nine and, and a half, half sacks. And he is a monster. He's going to be a real handful for anybody trying to block him. Yeah, and they and they bring guys off the edge. They've got Alexandre at defensive end. They've got Patrick Jones at defensive end. They've got Kylan Johnson, the linebacker. I mean, they they really and, – and Narduzzi, that's his M.O., very similar to Bud Foster. He will put his corners on an island – and he will bring pressures from every conceivable angle. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, um, you know, Pitt is, you know, we've talked about how well Virginia Tech has been running the ball. Well, they're going to get a real test against Pitt. Pitt is averaging, uh, allowing just 90.9 rushing yards per game. So we'll see how good and how far this Virginia Tech uh, running game has come. That's the best in the ACC. That's right. better than Clemson. Right. And And so, by the way, and yards per game can be a little – misleading depending on how many attempts your opponents have but Pitt also leads the league and is among the national leaders in opponents yards per rush and that's under three I believe it's 2.7 mm. in that 2.7 or 2.8 and the Hokies have been north of four and approaching five yards per rush in their recent uh, successful run here in the last six games so, you know, immovable force meets an equally immovable object. That's going to be a fascinating matchup on Saturday to see if Virginia Tech can, can continue to run the football. Yeah, and, uh, you know, Pitt is just is not a one-trick pony. That offense is pretty good, too. Kenny Pickett has played really well. We talked about his game against uh, Pitt. He has a career-high 2,311 passing yards this season, so he can put it in the air, too. So if you leave those corners on an island for Virginia Tech, we'll, we'll see what Kenny Pickett can do against that defense. Yeah, and he's, he's got some speed to throw to. On the perimeter now, Maurice French, their their best receiver, is out with a broken jaw, mm. which that now there's an injury not to be trifled with. Right. And Pat Narduzzi was very circumspect about whether French might play on Saturday. His 
you know, his availability will, would be a, a big addition for, for the Panthers, just give them another weapon out there on the perimeter. But as you mentioned, both these teams are tied with UVA in the loss column atop the Coastal. Pitt needs help. Pitt needs to win out, win, you know, beat Virginia Tech, then win its regular season finale against Boston College, and then hope the Hokies beat Virginia on Black Friday, whereas Virginia Tech just takes care of business these last two weeks. The Hokies go to Charlotte. The Hokies still have a path to Charlotte if they lose Saturday. Then Pitt were to lose to Boston College, and then Virginia Tech were to beat Virginia. Yeah, those are the only three teams still alive in the Coastal yes, uh, Division. That's Pitt, Tech, and Virginia. And Virginia gets back on the field this week against Liberty after a week off. Liberty's really an intriguing opponent. They're 6-4. and four. Uh, they lost to Syracuse uh, forever ago in the season opener, twenty yeah. to nothing. That was at Syracuse, and as you mentioned, you know, before we came in, they have really played an odd schedule uh, yeah. as an independent. Yeah, I was going to say, such is life as an independent, and they'll close the season with their second game of the year <laughs> against New Mexico State. Right. So that that shows you how odd the schedule is. Yeah, there aren't too many East Coast teams who line up a schedule that includes Syracuse, Hampton. New Mexico, New Mexico State twice, and BYU, by the way. They played BYU pretty tough last week, lost 31-24. to Yeah, how about that? And, and Bronco Mendenhall was asked a very good question at his news conference yesterday because obviously he came to Virginia from Brigham Young. And someone asked him, is that the first time you've had occasion to look at Brigham Young since you left? And he said, yes, pur- purposefully, mm-hmm. knowing his emotional ties to U- to the state of Utah and to Brigham Young, where he coached for 11 seasons as the big whistle and won 99 games in the process. He knew that just emotionally he couldn't go back and keep tabs and watch them. But this week he had to in scouting Liberty. Of course you want to watch their most recent game. And as you mentioned, the score was 31-24. Was that the final? Yes. Which is exactly the score of the Virginia Liberty game midway through the third quarter last year in Scott Stadium before Virginia scored the last two touchdowns of the game to win 45-24. But we were talking about interception streaks, you know, going without without a pick. Stephen Calvert, Calvert. Liberty's quarterback has 23 touchdowns, three interceptions. He has thrown 281 consecutive passes without a pick. That's hard to do. That, that is, is a remarkable. Long time, right? Right. He's got a really good receiver, Antonio Gandy Golden. He's a Bolitnikoff nominee. Uh, he's second in the country in total receiving yards mm-hmm. and receiving yards per game. So they're going to put the ball in the air uh, against the Cavaliers. Oh, absolutely. And test that secondary that we mention every week is depleted yep. by injury, you know, most notably to to Bryce Hall. You know, and let's not forget <laughs> Liberty's very notable head coach, right. one Hugh Freeze, who came from, from Ole Miss, disgrace there. Mm-hmm. Liberty took him in, much like it did its athletic directory in McCaw, who yes. was disgraced at Baylor. Baylor. But Freeze has coached several games this because he had back surgery in mid-August, and then he coached several games from 
like a makeshift hospital, hospital bed <laughs> in the press box, right. including on the road. And it's been quite a year from him, but I think all is well now with mm-hmm. his back, thank goodness. And he's, he's on the sidelines coaching his team. Well, this is one of those classic trap games for Virginia. Yeah. You know, they, they talked a good game yesterday at the presser, as David Hall, our col- colleague, reported, you know, saying, you know, hey, and it was Bryce Perkins who said, hey, we almost lost to ODU. Mm-hmm. So that sort of tells us not to look ahead at any or overlook anybody. Uh, and, the, you know, with that, that game on Black Friday ahead, it's, mm-hmm. a, it's really easy for, for Virginia to kind of look past Liberty. Yeah, and that would obviously would have absolutely zero effect on their coastal division prospects, the division title would would still be out there for them. But you talk about a buzz kill mm. if they were to go out and lose this game, uh, it, it would certainly be that. I don't see that happening. Going back to Virginia, to, to me, Virginia Tech Pitt is a coin flip. Mm-hmm. And if you'd asked me three weeks ago, I'd have told you hands down, Pitt's gonna win. But now the way the Hokies are playing and since they're at home and given what happened at Heinz Field last year, I kind of think Virginia Tech's going to find a way again. Yeah, they've got a lot of motivation, a lot of momentum, which really means a lot late in the season. They're at home, and you know that Blacksburg is going to be rocking. That'll be the last home game for some seniors. Uh, Bud Foster's last game uh, in Blacksburg. Mm -hmm. Yep, and a very small senior class, Mm -hmm. the most notable – of whom is is Reggie Floyd. He's their only senior starter. Mm. And a couple other, I I believe it's five or six total seniors, one of whom, and and I think we'd be remiss if we didn't mention him in a a positive light, is Ryan Willis. And he's taken a lot of gas. And and I tweeted something the other day that in hindsight may have been unfair because I just said, Ryan Willis, 137 pass attempts this year, five picks and then I mentioned that Hooker has thrown none and I didn't mean it to throw shade at Willis what I meant it to be was praise of Hooker and yeah Willis had ball security issues but going back to last year when he was thrust into the starting role in place of Josh Jackson after his injury at Old Dominion you know that kid he played his backside off yeah he made mistakes but he played hard, and that play he made against Virginia in the Commonwealth Cup game last year where he, I forget which Virginia defensive back, he tracked down after throwing the pick. It could have easily been a pick six, mm-hmm. and Willis hauls him down from behind, saved a touchdown, allowed that game to go into overtime. In hindsight, that's that's a game-saving play. Right. And – you know he is he has always been a, a tough kid, and I, I hope the the crowd gives him the ovation on Saturday that he deserves. Yeah, yeah, that'll be a big game for the Hokies. You know they they're definitely not a team that wants to look ahead uh, to Virginia because they don't take care of, uh, of business against Pitt. You know those those division title hopes uh, could be in jeopardy. Oh, absolutely! You you lose control of your fate. And at that point, you you got to ask for BC to beat Pitt, which seems unlikely. Right, right, I agree. 
Uh, elsewhere in the ACC, uh, definitely not a marquee Thursday night matchup. You got oh. NC State at Georgia Tech. I don't think that's going to set any ratings records. They're or, both or a, or attendance records. <laughs> right. I mean, because here, here you are, here you are at Georgia Tech five days after losing at home by forty-five, yeah. and now you're playing another home game against another team that's struggling mightily. There are going to be a lot of empty seats. I would think Thursday so. Yeah, night. yeah. Plenty of free seat or plenty of seats uh-huh. will be free. Uh, Boston College at Notre Dame. That's a kind of interesting game. Uh, Notre Dame has uh, dominated the ACC. I mean, they barely beat Tech, but they've won uh, uh, pretty handily in a lot of the other games. Mm-hmm. Uh, Duke is at Wake Forest. Um, uh, North Carolina hosting the Mercer Bears, which is really not a marquee matchup. No. And uh, Miami is heading down to Florida International, which is or across town. To yeah, Florida I was going to say a little, little neighborhood game. Yeah, and, and a little sneaky there with Miami. If Miami closes with two wins, Miami's six and four. Miami beats Florida International, which we think they will, and then beats Duke, which the Hurricanes should. They're sitting there at eight and four. They won't be ranked. The question will then become, is there another ACC team ranked in the college football playoff top 25 at regular season's end? Because if there's not, the Orange Bowl gets first dibs. Now, if Virginia Tech wins the next two, Virginia Tech's going to be ranked and I would think would stay ranked even – if it loses to Clemson mm-hmm. in the ACC title game. But if not, then the Orange Bowl has its choice of teams if there's not a second team ranked. And at that point, the 8-4 and four home team might be attractive. It, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Yeah, there could be some really interesting bowl matchups for the ACC you know they they may uh, you know they're going to get a really good team in that Orange Bowl. Alabama or Georgia is right. is my best guess. Yeah, yeah, that's the way it looks right now. Uh, all right, well let's shift gears a little bit to uh, basketball. Sure. Uh, you're heading up to Charlottesville today uh, to see Vermont uh, play Virginia. Yeah. You wouldn't think that'd be a marquee matchup, but yeah. the Catamounts are four and zero, have a pretty solid win uh, last week, and they're uh, taking on a Virginia team that's three and zero. Yeah, v- Vermont beat St. John's the other day by two, and, and the Catamounts have been living on the edge. Beat St. John's by two, St. Bonaventure by two, Bucknell by three. Now, the, their other win was over Boston University by, by 15, but they've, they've got a young man, Anthony Lamb, averaging 18.3 points, 10.5 boards. And the interesting thing about Vermont, at least, at least to me, is they're – having the same trouble as UVA in that they can't shoot a lick from beyond the arc. Mm-hmm. The Catamounts are shooting 20.8% as a team. That's better than Virginia. Yeah. Virginia is shooting 20.0%, mm. mostly because Casey Morsell and Cody Statman are a combined two for 25. And that's that's what I want to see, or I'm most interested to see this evening is can Virginia just make a few three-pointers? Because that just seems to be the one missing piece right now. Uh, and, and granted, it's very early, but defending at a ridiculously elite level for this early in the season, Mamadi Diakite, Braxton Key, Jay Huff are giving them 
offense <clears throat> inside the arc. Somebody's got to be able to give them something beyond. Kihei Clark, I think he's making a third of his shots. You want to, you want better than that from your point guard. So that, that to me, will be the the first thing I want to watch tonight. Yeah, sooner or later they're going to have to hit some jump shots. They're going to have to hit uh, some shots from outside. Uh, you know, they, they've got UMass later on this week, and then they're going to play either Arizona State uh, or St. John's. John's. Yeah, that's a tournament up in Connecticut. Right. That's the, what coaches call MTE with their scheduling, multi-team event. And those two games only count as one toward the NCAA limit. The rules are so convoluted there. But, yeah, they'll, they'll head up there to, to Connecticut for that tournament. And and now the the non-conference schedule ramp, ramp ramps up a little bit because Purdue is on the horizon. Right, that's in, a big game in the Elite Eight rematch. Yeah, that's going to be in, really intriguing. Yeah, in the ACC Big Ten Challenge. Yeah, Virginia Tech's three and zero. They have really interesting uh, mix of opponents. They play Delaware State at home on Wednesday, yeah. and then they're heading to Hawaii for the Maui Invitational, where they're going to take on oh nobody important, just Michigan <laughs> State, one of the top ranked teams in the country. Yeah. We'll see how good. The, uh, the Hokies are this early in the season under coach uh, Mike Young. Yeah, that'll that'll be <laughs> Maui's going to be a difficult slog. I think if you're Virginia Tech and you're a fan, you're wondering, can we get one out of the three? That would be nice. So, but Landers Nolly continues uh, to light it up, and Wabisa Beatty is playing like the veteran uh, that he is. On, on both ends of the floor, and, and Mike Young knows what he's doing. They're going to shoot it from deep, and they're going to be hard to guard. Uh, whether they can rebound well enough and defend well enough, that remains to be seen. Yeah, that'll be a big challenge against uh, Michigan State. I think Michigan State's ranked third in the country in one poll and one in another poll. Um, well, let, let's talk a little bit about uh, a gentleman that you wrote about this yeah. week. His name is Charlie Moyer, and mm-hmm. – um, you know, he was a guy who was the basketball coach at Virginia Tech for 11 seasons. He won 213 games, and he's the winningest uh, uh, coach in school history. He died last week. Yeah. And uh, you wrote a really interesting column which, with some nice comments from some of his former players. Uh, what are your memories of uh, Charlie Moyer? Just what a, a gentleman he was, and he was – very gracious, even during difficult times, which he had at Virginia Tech. At the end, uh, there were NCAA violations on his watch. The NCAA never held him culpable, but said that they, you know, they occurred, and eventually it, it forced him to resign. But ten winning seasons in eleven years—I mean, ten consecutive winning seasons—which no one had done at Virginia Tech before or since. Uh, Four NCAAs, four NITs. Uh, One of those years they went to the NIT semis and lost to eventual champion Michigan by three in in that semifinal at Madison Square Garden. He recruited four of the top five scorers in Virginia Tech history, including Del Curry, uh, who was gracious enough to return my text the other day. And it was interesting to me, one of the most fascinating conversations that I had about Coach Moyer was with Frankie Allen, who succeeded him as Virginia Tech's coach and was one of his assistants there. 
But Frankie played for Charlie at Roanoke College, where, by the way, Charlie Moyer won a national championship right. with the Maroons when they were Division Two. They're now Division Three. But Frankie Allen was the first African-American boarding student in Roanoke College history. And he was from Charlottesville, went to Lane High School. And he told me, no way could my family afford to send me to college. And Coach Moyer offered a scholarship, and my parents met with him. And my mom talked to Mrs. Moyer, Betsy Moyer, Charlie's wife of, I believe, more than 60 years before she passed away a few a few years ago. And Mrs. Allen said to Mrs. Moyer, we're going to entrust our son to you for, you for you to care for both on and off the court. And Frankie Allen said they did exactly that. And to me, that, that spoke volumes about the man, mm -hmm. which is what you want to try uh, to explore in, in situations like this. You know, w w when you're talking about somebody's legacy, it goes beyond the court and what they meant uh, to their players. And to a man, everyone considered Charlie Moyer a father figure. And I thought that was a, that was a really nice uh, tribute to him. Yeah, I, I agree. I think, you know, you mentioned in um, the column that he touched a lot of people. You know, he, he coached at high school at the high school level. Mm -hmm. Won was, four state championships, two in North Carolina was, and two in Virginia. Right, was very successful there. You mentioned his success at uh, Roanoke. And then uh, at Virginia Tech, he won 213 games. Yep. And, you know, Del Curry back, you know, in that mid-'80s stretch, they call him the hurry and hokies. You know, they play in the late great Metro Conference. Right. And I'll tell you what, there were some teams in that league now. Mm -hmm. I was, that was Louisville's heyday under Denny Crum. That was Memphis, what was then known as Memphis State, with Keith Lee, mm -hmm. coached by Dana Kirk, who had previously coached at, at VCU here in, in the state. And, you know, Memphis made a Final Four. Louisville won a pair of national championships and advanced to two other Final Fours. I mean, it won the ACC, but that was one heck of a conference. And there were a couple. Memphis was number one in one particular season, came to Castle and lost. The Tigers were number two in another year and came to Castle and lost. Those were, those were good times for mm -hmm. Virginia Tech hoops. Right, right. Right. Well, before we sign off, I got to get uh, I got to go back to football a little bit. I don't sure. think we we feel like uh, Virginia's going to have trouble with Liberty. But what do you think about that pit game? Who do you like in that pit game? You think Virginia Tech is going to win that game or do you like the Panthers on the road? I, I do. I think somehow, Jamie, Virginia Tech's going to find a way and, and set us up for what would be the third winner take all UVA Virginia Tech game since the ACC went to divisions. The first two were in 2007 and 2011. Those are odd numbers year, odd numbered years, as is this. So all three of them would have been at Scott Stadium. Mm -hmm. Virginia Tech won the first two. But I think that's what we're going to have uh, yeah, on, I... on Black Friday. And I know the fans are upset that it's a noon kick. Those of us who have publishing deadlines. It's a beautiful we, newspaper we, uh, we, start time. We are, we are over the moon. That's right. It, it, That's me, right. it means an early departure uh, for Charlottesville that morning. But 
don't care. Right, right. Yeah, noon is much better for news, much friendlier for newspaper deadlines than that 8 p.m. start would have been. And, uh, yeah, so next week we'll be back, everybody. Should be a really interesting uh, conversation next week. We'll talk Virginia and Virginia Tech on uh, heading into Black Friday. And this has been Teal Time. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Thanks, all. Thanks, all.